0: Hello, I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and retreat leader. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast, head on over to jumpstartyourjoy.com. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to my website at paulajenkinsonline.com. Hello, and welcome to episode four of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I'm talking to Dave Asprey of Bulletproof. Even if you're super familiar with Dave from his book, The Bulletproof Diet, his Bulletproof podcast, or his Bulletproof coffee, I know you're going to learn something new about Dave today in this episode. We got to chat about our time as students together at UC Santa Barbara. And we talked about some of his antics there. You should stay tuned to the very end where Dave talks about three ways to find joy. And if you're brand new to the podcast, welcome. I highly recommend that you go back and check out the first three episodes of this show. We've had some great people, Kathleen Davies, Dr. Amy Avazadeh, and Matthew Wood, who is the voice of General Grievous. There have been so many great comments and so much great feedback, and I really appreciate all of you guys reaching out to say hi if you like what you're hearing I encourage you to go leave a five-star review on iTunes thank you so much this podcast is being brought to you by the dream into action retreat it's a three-day online retreat with over 10 speakers dedicated to helping you unlock your creative dream and bring it to life to get $10 off registration You can jump over and sign up at DreamIntoActionRetreat.com or you can text READY to 66866. That's READY, R-E-A-D-Y to 66866. And now, without further ado, I bring you the interview with Dave Asprey. So welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. Today we have Dave Asprey. He's the founder of of Bulletproof Nutrition, and the creator of Bulletproof Coffee. Welcome to the podcast, Dave.
1: Paula, great to be on with you.
0: Yes, so glad you could make it. So we went to UC Santa Barbara together, and it's been a little while, so that's the connection.
1: (laughs) You actually knew me when I weighed 300 pounds.
0: I did, yes. And we used to go to the Dining Commons together at San Rafael, or San Rafael, however we want to pronounce it. But I think back to that and just think what what were we doing to ourselves by eating that way?
1: Yeah, I feel bad when like you go to college, you want your brain to work, and we always talk about the freshman fifteen. Yeah, it has something to do with what's in cafeteria food and what's not in cafeteria food, which is mm-hmm. actually food.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know, I because now I'm totally gluten free and I eat a low fructose diet, so if Funny. anybody, me too, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I can only imagine what that was doing to my brain and the rest of my body. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So would you like to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Well, I am the I'm a former tech entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I I played a a role in the early creation of cloud computing, uh, the company that held Google's very first servers when Google was two grad students from Stanford just getting started uh, back at that time frame. And I've worked for almost 20 years at different startups until along the way, I lost 100 pounds and I got tired of my brain not working and being tired and stressed all the time. So I started using hacking techniques on myself. I Mm -hmm. spent about 15 years and now substantially more than $300,000 raising my IQ, uh, losing weight and just getting a lot more energy and resilience. I'm 42 now and I have more energy and I look better than I did when I was 18 or 25. And it, it's kind of ridiculous. But uh, I write about how to hack the human body and how to have more control of your biology. I run number one ranked radio show on iTunes about this kind of thing with about 17 million downloads. And I'm a New York Times bestselling author about nutrition with my book, The Bulletproof Diet. So I'm, I'm basically a computer hacker turned biohacker.
0: That is awesome. Yeah. And I think it's super interesting to have you on since I'm the jumpstart your joy lady, I would imagine that there was some spark of joy that led you to start biohacking. Is that a is that a true guess? I,
1: I would love to say that it was joy, but it was actually <laughs> it was actually fear and loathing that oh. to me. <laughs> but I'll explain that. Yeah. So when I was about twenty-six, I made six million dollars at this company in, in the early days. Mm-hmm. I lost it when I was twenty eight, by the way. But during that time, especially right before I, I went to that company that was so successful, I was really struggling to the point that I bought disability insurance. Not a lot of people before they're 25 buy disability insurance, but I'm like, I'm putting every ounce of energy into just putting one foot in front of the other and just, just getting by. And my energy levels were so low, I, I would like fall asleep in meetings. I, I couldn't pay attention. And I went to the doctor and they said nothing was wrong. And they said vitamin C would kill me, actually, which was laughable. And I, I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I'm afraid. And so after a second knee surgery uh, to fix a knee I, uh, that has been a problem since I was a teenager, I had arthritis in both knees when I was 14. I just realized I'm never going to let this happen again. I was afraid of another surgery. I was afraid of not being able to to feed myself. Like I was afraid of failing in my career. Uh, so that was my initial motivation. And the sad thing was, it made me stubborn. So I, I worked out an hour and a half a day, six days a week. I cut my calories to 1,800 calories. And I did this for almost two years. And what happened was, I got strong and I stayed fat.
0: <laughs> oh, and no, then, yeah. And then
1: I needed another knee surgery anyway. And I was so disheartened. I'm like, Wait, I tried so hard and. It, then I just realized it wasn't that I it wasn't that I failed. It was that it, the techniques didn't work, and that was what really made me start paying attention to what worked. And now I'm very much motivated by my mission and by joy. Uh, but at the beginning, it was I was like running away from being disabled and tired and fat and foggy all the time because those are scary things.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know that's interesting just because my own path is somewhat similar. You probably hear this all the time where I was stuck in a space where I was having migraines daily oh. and total stomach bizarreness, uh like loud noises. <laughs> who knows where those <laughs> came from, and the dog yeah, the dog usually, <laughs> even though we didn't have one, and I got to the point where you know I'm standing in front of a a big neurologist or the the big one in u c s f and I'm like, yeah, you're gonna probably need to take medication every day, and it, it's probably that same moment of like total. There was fear and loathing and, like, no way. Like, that sounds like the wrong path. And I just said, hmm, no, I'm going to find out what this is. And then there was that kind of path of, like, it's all about the food and I can't digest fructose. <laughs> what the yes. hell is this? So, yeah, that's interesting. I haven't done as much hacking, now, probably, as you have.
1: Well- uh- I actually think that women are natural biohackers
0: mm. because
1: well in your case you had to deal with your digestive problem but you sort of have these monthly changes that are either quite dramatic or quite manageable <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so you tend to pay more attention to your environment because uh, like you just have a better signal like guys have a monthly cycle too but it's so tiny we just don't pay any attention to that that yeah. sort of of thing so I find that most women are more self-aware, like they have more body awareness. And when you're trying to change the state of your biology, having awareness of it is kind of a gift.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that it's important, too. I mean, it sounds like we're both from that same place where you have the mental capacity to say, I don't buy it. Like, I'm going to get curious. This this doesn't, this doesn't drug answer doesn't seem like the right one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, jumping from that. But okay. well, I,
1: I gotta let's yeah, talk. Oh, let's talk about okay. one other thing there. So yeah. you, you knew me back when I was I was pretty pretty odd to put it in a nice way. Like I was kind of a like kind of a weird dude when you knew me, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, but weren't we all a little bit? <laughs> we, we were
1: all a little bit weird, but I, I like to think I was an outlier on the weird spectrum.
0: You um, might you might have been a little strange, only from kind of an intense perspective. <laughs> Like I can't really put my finger on what, but you definitely had a sense about you that you were intensely smart, knew what you were doing, and then my friends, well you know, all the the gaucho friends, oh, uh, yeah. we were at UCSB of course. I think can I bring this up there was a time when you like Doctored up some of the stationery and the letterhead The USB. <laughs> I don't know what the use was, but it was like, it was like clear that you were going to go places, even if it was just because you were so determined and uh, like crafty about it. <laughs>
1: I was I was breaking things. I, I think I was mad that they wouldn't let us have our friends come and stay in our dorm rooms during uh, the biggest yeah. party of the year at, at Halloween at Santa Barbara. Yeah, so I made a new memo that looked like it was from the university. It had a few changes, so you could tell it wasn't really a fake. It was a spoof, so it was fairly cool. Right. And I put it under everyone's door that was like, please bring extra friends, and, and confused a lot of people and probably caused a lot of trouble. And I'm fortunate they didn't kick me out of the dorms like I deserved at least 10 times.
0: Right. Okay, yes, yeah, so that is what it was. <laughs> and I think then the RA, I don't even remember that poor person's name, but it was probably horrifying. <laughs> yes. And that's why we had it. And we were all like, oh. And we had a nickname for you. Can I even say it out loud here? Uh, if you want to. It's PCO. We will let your... Your fans
1: trying yeah, to try figure so, uh, out
0: what that is. <laughs> it's all on the up and up, though, guys. Um, we were like, "Oh, the PCO, he's at it again." Like, it was just totally amusing. So, but, the, yeah. the
1: reason I bring that up is is that one of the things that happens when you eat crappy food. Oh yeah. And uh, when you because when your biology isn't working very well, is it's harder to regulate your emotions. And mm-hmm. when you're in college, your prefrontal cortex isn't really done forming anyway. And that's part of regulating your emotions. So I was basically going to the food court and eating foods that made me weak and made it harder for me to be normal. <laughs> so I was probably extremely abnormal at, at that time, and it's uh, it's kind of funny to to think back on that. But a part of my my behavior patterns, a part of my grades and the way I performed academically and the way I interacted with uh, with my friends socially. I was kind of doing it while, while pushing against the wind. You're carrying an anchor with me, and that anchor was just crappy nutrition. It like yeah. I could have had an easier time there than I did, even though it was still fun.
0: Yeah, it was fun. And the whole group of us have a very – we have fond memories <laughs> of hanging out with you because, yeah, it was a good time, even if we weren't all as healthy as we could be. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what kids should do though. Like I kind of think back not to stick on this topic, but like, I don't know if I'd known I should be gluten free. Like what would I have done? Or is it just easier now? Because that's a thing. Like, I, I think it's,
1: it's easier now. And I remember like you couldn't get a meal that didn't have gluten in it. I didn't know I would, I wouldn't have tried back then. Cause I didn't know, but it was like cookies and brownies and bread and
0: pasta and <laughs>
1: pizza. And when you do that to, to young minds that are really working on learning yeah. Like, of course, you're going to get fat and foggy and, and all the bad oils. and ugh, I, I just yeah. kind of makes me cringe because when I do like very high end mind training with computers, like neurofeedback training with clients today, I have a really precise nutritional protocol because their brains will not handle a full training session if they eat bad. And if they eat right, they can handle two training sessions. Like mm-hmm. food's the variable for how much power you have every day. And I'll say, if you want to have joy in your day, and you eat the wrong stuff, it is it is not just a state of mind, and it's not a question of willpower. Uh, it's sometimes that the neurotransmitters that are part of creating joy for you, your body won't make them. And mm-hmm. even if you will it and you try and you meditate and you, you know, listen to joy soundtracks, uh, you you enjoy joy division, whatever, <laughs> whatever brings you joy. You know, Amen. <laughs> it, it just won't go, no matter how yeah. hard you push. And so that's something that we don't teach our kids that we don't teach that in college. But if you want to experience joy most of the time, have a sense of mission, have a sense of purpose and do the things like meditate and uh, and all that. But if you're going to do that and live on pizza and beer, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a rough go. And understanding now more about how to face emotions, because in this last year I've been going through a certification program to become a life coach. And so better understanding like how to face emotions and how to hold space for them. I don't think I could be in that space as, or as you know, be as good at it as I've become if I didn't have kind of a clear brain because I jump to the, the extreme emotions either in myself. Yeah, I'm more, I don't know, regulated.
1: <laughs> which, which program are you doing? Uh,
0: it's with Kate Courageous. So I'll give a shout out. It's Courageous Coaching Training Program. And, uh, Very
1: cool. Yeah. It's
0: just, I- just good people. I'm good. asking
1: because Bulletproof just launched an executive coach training thing.
0: I saw. You want to talk about it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, just for a second. I'm not yeah. going to pitch a, the one you're going yeah. to. Sound, I haven't seen it, but it sounds awesome. I'll check it out. Like I'm a fan of people getting trained on how to be a coach
0: yeah. uh,
1: from anyone who has that background because when you try and hang out a shingle as a coach and you have no training, it's one thing to be like, I know how to be a good executive or I know how to be a good, I lead a good life. So I'm going to be a life coach.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: well, to teach or to impart knowledge in in someone else and to deal with troubleshooting it, it is is something that you learn by doing and by mentoring. So I I love it that you're getting certified because that will make you able to hold space because most people don't know what holding space is unless they're total hippies or they're trained psychologists, right? Mm,
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: What is holding space anyway? Uh, I'm sure half your listeners don't know.
0: I would say it's... Giving someone the room to explore their own self, their own feelings, to kind of, I'll use another coachy word, but to unpack maybe where they're feeling stuck and do that in a non-judgmental and loving, well, I'll say space, but in a loving format. And that could be over the phone. It's totally possible to hold space over the phone or in person, but it's just inviting someone into a relationship where they can just be them and explore what's inside them.
1: That's, that's very well said. And, <laughs> and well, they well, they don't, they don't teach you that in a lot of places. And I can say yeah. when I started on this path, like a long time ago, uh, I think in my late twenties, early, maybe right around when I was turning 30, I really didn't think that any feelings in the body had much validity because they were mostly stupid and they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Mm. So you could just ignore them. And I, I did this like 10 day personal growth thing. I found some of the exercises that were like more emotion oriented. I found them really intensely uncomfortable, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I need to leave the room. Like this, this is screwed up. Like I'm out of here. Finally, the the really patient people who are running the retreat said, like, oh, could you like maybe sit in the corner here? I'm like, all right, I'll sit in the corner. <laughs> and and they're and they're like, why can't you just sit here? I'm like, I, I just can't. Like this is not okay. And I didn't know why. And and they're like, well, do you have any feelings? I said, yeah, I have feelings. I'm pissed off. Like you're wasting my time. Like I don't like this. And and this is very very wise uh, woman, uh, her name is Barbara Fendizen, and she's an expert in in birth trauma, and like one of the leaders in that field, it, like like things that happen in very early childhood that can affect your personality. Oh and, wow! And she she like kind of looked at me and she goes, "Hold on a second. She said, "Do you have any any other feelings?" I said, "No." She goes, "There's other feelings." I said, "I don't have any." And she said, "Listen in your body."
0: Yeah. And
1: and so I'm like, "Yeah, there's something in my stomach." I, I yeah, okay, I, my stomach feels different and she looks at me just like she has these really deep like blue eyes and she looks at me and she goes that's called fear <laughs> and i'm like really are you kidding me and i had done this like inner dialogue where i'm like there's no reason to be afraid therefore that feeling is not fear therefore i'm not afraid which is entirely backwards because mm-hmm. fear isn't supposed to have an emotion. Like so much, it shouldn't have a reason. It just it happens for whatever reason it happens for. And if you can, to use your word, unpack the reason for that, you can probably change how you behave in life so that you're less of a jerk or so you're a higher performance or whatever your goal is.
0: Yes, I love I love that because there is something about fear that is usually there's some wisdom if you ask fear. What do you want or what are you doing here? You know, ask it. I mean, to get a little woo-woo, you know, ask it, come out of the shadows. What's going on with you, fear? And even give it a name, like ask it to explain itself. There's usually room for great learning in that moment.
1: So one of the spookiest things that that I've done uh, was actually at that same retreat. They had this exercise where you would ask like an emotion or some part of you, you would write a question with your right hand, and then you would allow your left hand to write an answer without really trying (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh!
1: It sounds super wacky, and it is. But I was shocked. Number one, I don't really write well with my left hand. But yeah. whatever my left hand wrote was really interesting and useful self knowledge. But it, <laughs> it wasn't stuff that was in my consciousness. Uh, at least, mm. not stuff that I could that I was readily able to access. So it was. It's, I don't think this would work at home for a lot of people. Maybe it would, but this was like part of a a, a big you know ten day intensive thing. But I, I really did notice that, that sort of thing where, okay, different parts of you are trying to tell you something, and there are different ways to ask them. And if you assume that the different parts either don't exist or um, are meaningless, then I think you're making a mistake, and you're probably not going to experience joy all the time.
0: I think there's something really important, especially if you're an external processor, which I'm thinking you are. Like There's something very helpful to have someone there to help you walk through a process. What Meaning- the
1: heck is an external processor? <laughs> I have have made that up. (laughs) I have a graphics processor and
0: extra RAM. (laughs) (laughs) No, it means that I like to. I'll use. I may have made this up completely, but that it's like I like to talk through stuff. Like I don't go internal and like work it out on my own. You're
1: you're okay. You're a talker, not a thinker, kind of thing. There you
0: go. Yeah, yeah. So probably that also goes hand in hand with extrovert versus introvert. I bet there are a lot of people that are internal processors, not computers, though. Yeah. yeah,
1: some people talk, some people write, some people probably think, and yeah. I don't believe that. I don't know that I've ever seen a study on it, but it, it's a good theory, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, so what led you to start looking at biohacking? Was it that moment of fear and loathing, or was it, what was it?
1: Part of it was just the knowledge that doing what's supposed to work just didn't work, and that mm-hmm. I, that the, the knowledge... And sort of the freedom that comes from that, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm responsible for this now, so I'm going to pay attention and I'm, I'm going to own the results. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. And the other thing was that I started getting a lot of a lot of brain fog. And so mm-hmm. my career is just taking off and I'm like at a company that I can see is like going to change the world. Like all of Yahoo's servers are in our buildings, mm-hmm. like, all, like all the cool stuff that, that I studied in college and worked on, like it's coming to life. And like you could see the internet and the web like happening, I would finish a meeting and I wouldn't remember anything that happened. And I just felt like I was losing my mental edge. And it turns out I was. I was living in a house that had toxic mold. Oh, yeah. Um, I just finished making a documentary called Moldy. Uh, mm-hmm. I interviewed top experts all over the country about toxic mold because it's in like half of houses and one in four people just get kind of mentally disabled by it. and You, you, don't, you don't know that it's happening. That's called moldymovie.com, by the way. <laughs> But I'll check I'm, it out. I thought i just plug in my stuff here. Yeah,
0: but, go for it. <laughs>
1: um, it's a, it's a, a meaningful documentary that I funded out of pocket because so many people's lives have been changed, even in the life coaching and executive coaching arena. Yeah. If, if an adult is, has gained a bunch of weight and they're lacking emotional regulation, uh, and they're sick all the time and depressed and they never feel rested, like you gotta look in the environment around you. So, so it turns out this was happening to me. I got into smart drugs because I'm kind of a geeky engineer. Before smart drugs were a known thing, I found out about them and I ordered a bunch of them from Europe. And I started taking cognitive enhancing substances, not like, you know, amphetamines and stuff like that. But these are classes of drugs that make you smarter because my brain was going away. I was trying to like shore up weaknesses. And that really made a difference. And I was like, wow, I I can help my brain. And from there I went into... On brain training and I, I've spent about well now 10 weeks of my life with electrodes glued to my head for hours every day running uh, basically showing my brain what it's doing on a computer and teaching myself to do what an advanced Zen master does after 40 years of daily practice but for me to have spent that much time hacking my brain I, I do it because it it's faster and more effective than meditation A week of doing that is like years of spending an hour a day sitting and and doing the things I used to do when I meditated much more frequently. So I I progressed as a biohacker from, you know, I'm fat and my joints hurt all the time to my brain isn't working. And I started to address those. Uh, The normal approaches to them just didn't work. Mm -hmm. So I went and I found out what did work and what absolutely everyone of the people that I work with and the, the millions of people who, who follow my stuff, uh, like they know that there are either natural substances, uh, some of which I manufacture, and some pharmaceutical substances that really do make your brain work better. And that that's something that probably belongs in, uh, in your suite of tools to, to feel amazing all the time. So if you're having a really rough day or your brain's just not working and you take something that isn't, that doesn't have a downside to it and it makes you more like yourself, like I think that's kind of a valuable thing. And I started doing that and became an expert in it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And I think there's like what you're saying, like kind of marrying a couple of approaches, which is like being able to understand where your energy is and if it's up or down and where you are in the day, but also being so mindful about what you're, like intaking, I guess, like as in eating or drinking. You, you started in a, in a way with the brand as Bulletproof Coffee. What was it about that that made it such a fire starter for, I'm not saying it's your introductory offering, although I think it was, but like what was it that rallied people around that particular product?
1: Well, I, I started out just writing and mm-hmm. the goal, when I started the Bulletproof blog, I was a vice president at a big internet security company. I have stock options. I've had a good career. I wasn't planning to do this as a, as a full-time job. Uh, I figured that no one told me all of the stuff that I've learned for 10 years I've run an anti-aging research group. No one told me any of this stuff. So I wasted years of my life and hundreds of thousands of dollars on stuff because there was no path laid out. And I just reasoned that if I could find a few people who were where I was when I was in my early 20s, and I could just show them a few things, that it would completely change the trajectory of their lives. And it would be a great public service. And it would, like, how could I not do that? Even if I spent a couple hundred hours doing that and I changed just five people's lives, that was my goal. So I started blogging. And it turns out I did a lot of stuff that people were really interested in that no one had heard about. So the blog started to grow. And one problem that was driving me nuts was that I travel all the time for work and bad coffee makes you weak. Uh, coffee with mold in it. I know this because I feel it. I, I get a sympathetic nervous system response. My fight or flight response gets kicked in by coffee with mold in it. It's hmm. very predictable. So I was buying $20 bags of coffee and throwing them away all the time until I would find one that was clean. And I developed an algorithm for that at the same time, I had developed Bulletproof Coffee, which is a mix of lab-tested Bulletproof Coffee beans that are created to be free of these common toxins in coffee. Blend you, you brew the coffee, and you blend it with butter instead of milk and an oil called Brain Octane Oil that comes from coconut, but it's not coconut oil. It's a very small fraction of coconut oil. And when you have this specific combination of things, something magic happens to your brain. Like, you it wakes up, even if it was already awake, it wakes up more. and What happens is that you're getting a jolt of something called ketones. This is what happens after days of fasting or going on the Atkins diet or something. It happens in the course of about 20 minutes to half an hour for most people who drink it when it's made right. So all of a sudden, your hunger is gone and your food cravings that have plagued you for years are gone and you have like more energy than ever and I'm talking the first time you try it. It's that big. So. What happened was getting coffee that doesn't cause a crash in food cravings because it's actually pure coffee, uh, getting the right fats without the protein that takes away the goodness of coffee. It was about precision. Once once I shared that, uh, it sold itself. I didn't have to do anything other than just tell people, look, I just want you to try this once. And I'm not kidding. It, it makes a difference. And then people, of course, they cut corners. They they try random coffee with coconut oil, and they get subpar results. And I can show lab data. Uh, in fact, I'm I'm going to soon about what happens when you cut corners. But the whole point here was people were sincerely amazed and wanting to talk about this. And pretty soon there's, you know, Brandon Routh from uh, – he was Superman in one of the movies. And, uh, you know, some just – just major celebrities are mentioning Bulletproof coffee when like Jimmy Fallon and Shailene Woodley uh, and uh, Rick Rubin and uh, Jerry Piven. And I'm just like, I'm on I'm like a geek from Silicon Valley. Like, like what, like what do I know? Well, a thing or two about coffee, but um, it caught on because it made all of them perform at a different level. And those are people who have to be under hot lights, performing, remembering, looking good, and that's what it's made for. So I, I think it just took off because it was an efficacy thing. It wasn't a marketing thing.
0: Yeah. I know when I saw – it was on Instagram, Leah Salonga, who was what in um, – she's a, a singer, obviously, but I saw her mention it, and I was like, the world's colliding. There's, <laughs> there's Dave <laughs> and, you know, someone I admire greatly. Well, both of you, but, like, oh. it was just – it was like, whoa, this is, you know, the Internet just got so small. It was funny. How have you felt about kind of that rise of getting in the spotlight around the brand itself?
1: You know, it, it's a bit odd when I get stopped at an airport and like someone wants to take a picture with me. But I'm happy to do it because, you know, like I said, I had a job. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I was doing well. I, I have a family. And uh, I, I consider this kind of an honor and now it's also a great responsibility because I just want to help people. And when I, like, I, I look at this email I got, this was a couple of years ago, and it had a photo, in fact, they actually sent me the actual photo, um, a printed out photo as well. But it was from a family where the whole family went bulletproof, they went on the bulletproof diet, and they sent me before and after pictures. And one of them was this, this 14-year-old teenage girl who was fat and full of pimples. And I know what that's like, because that was kind of me when I was 14. And all of a sudden, uh, they send me the 60 day later picture. And all of a sudden, you see this like healthy, like normal weight, normal skin teenager. And I get stuff like that quite a lot and comments from people like, I lost 40 pounds. I, I just got a raise because I can pay attention at work again and things like that. So uh, for me, the the celebrity, like, like being known as the Bulletproof Executive mm-hmm. and all, it's just a way to help more people. I, it doesn't. It's not my motivation. <laughs> I actually think it's kind of funny um, the whole celebrity thing, and I, I really do my best to not let it get to my head. We opened the Bulletproof Coffee Shop in Santa Monica yeah. a couple months ago, and I was down there uh, maybe two and a half weeks ago, and a couple walks up to me and, and says, "Oh, Dave, you know, we're so glad you're here. You know, introduce myself." And it was, it was Alanis Morissette and her husband.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: And they're like, can we take a picture with you? And I'm like, this is not my life. Like, I'm a huge fan of Alanis Morissette. I'm like, no, can I take a picture with you? Right? Wow. Uh, And and I was, like, so honored by that. Because, like, she's an artist who changes millions of people's lives. And if I can do a little bit, you know, to help her out, like, a cup of coffee that does the right thing, it it makes a difference. And, like, um, Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I got an email a while back. And saying, hey, why don't you come backstage and make Bulletproof Coffee? We drink it every time before we go on stage. So I'm, I'm in their trailer making them Bulletproof Coffee and hanging out with Stephen. And we got to be friends. Like, Stephen is really a cool guy. That's awesome. But it's like, I'm like this you know, cloud computing geek from Silicon Valley, but I'm doing my best to help people and I'm sharing my best knowledge. But, but I talked about being a responsibility too. Last week, Bulletproof Radio had 800,000 downloads in one week, which is a new record.
0: Congratulations. That is awesome.
1: Thank you. I, I'm blown away. But if you think about it, that's 800,000 hours. And I'm not going to do the math right now because you just hear me typing. But how many how many hours are in a human lifetime?
0: Uh, I, my mind goes to the musical Rent. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm totally yeah. sure, but it's like... It's about that many, isn't it? Eight hundred. It's
1: probably 000. even less than that. Yeah. But I, I figured out that if the total number of hours of downloads of Bulletproof Radio is like 17 million... Um, it's somewhere somewhere like 50 human lifetimes. So if I'm producing bad content, it's like I've killed 50 people. Their whole entire lives are gone. Just listening Mm -hmm. to my work and you sell 100,000 books. I don't know how many hours the average book is, but like these are big numbers. So I feel like an obligation to produce the very best I'm capable of producing and to motivate my team um, to work with me uh, because to, to, you know, just not do your best there, it seems like it would be immoral and unethical because it's playing with people's lives if you don't. And that's why you don't hear dick jokes on my podcast. <laughs> you know, there's, there's humor and there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of value provided uh, and it's not super serious, uh, but it's also respectful of, of the fact that someone took their time out of their commute or out of their workday day to sit and listen to a conversation I'm going to have. So I'll be down if I'm not going to have the very best conversation I'm capable of having every single
0: time. I love that. Yeah. I've, uh, I've called out this one comment that one of our mentors, Rachel asked me one time and she said, what if this conversation changed your life? Like what if you just approached everything like that? So I think there's a lot, there's some synergy there with what you're saying. And I love that attitude. What does your team look like? Is it like how big it seems like the way you just talked about it, it's a pretty large group.
1: Uh, we're slightly bigger than twenty people.
0: Wow, very cool. Yeah. Um,
1: and Bulletproof just raised nine million dollars in venture funding. Like it's a, it's a real company, <laughs> just launched this week in Whole Foods. You can buy Bulletproof Brain Octane Oil.
0: Uh, oh wow! To
1: put in your Bulletproof Coffee Beans, and you can buy our collagen, uh, and our. We're having sales on the website. We opened this week in Canada, a new website. So it's, it, it's there to make products that you can't get anywhere else, things that make you feel different. And I'm going to embrace having a team and, uh, and leading them, and that's a double-edged sword because you also need to manage, and it takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to embrace all the things it takes to make a company scale because I can change millions of people's lives if I do this right, so I'm going to do it
0: right. <laughs> Yeah, congratulations on that too. That is Thank really you. exciting to be in a be in a major um, what store like that. That is awesome. What in the world is Fat Water? Can you explain that? <laughs>
1: sure, Fat Water is a is a product that we just launched. And for years, in order to get hydration, you've had these sports drinks, and all they are is sugar, salt, and water, or some variation of that. Oh, and artificial colors, artificial flavors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you wanted to drink some other beverage, you can drink sugar water, i.e. soda, or you could drink chemical water, which is diet soda, which now there's a lawsuit against the diet soda people calling basically for false labeling because it turns out diet soda makes you fat.
0: Sure.
1: <laughs> they were sort of maybe not telling you the full truth. Yeah. So given all of that weirdness, like okay, what's left? Well, there is vitamin water out there and we put some vitamins in fat water as well. Um, and we could put protein in water, but Protein actually makes you hungry if you have it by itself. It's not very satisfying. So what's left is fat. And fat has been like a redheaded stepchild. It turns out that fat has the most energy in it. So if what we wanted from our drink was energy, having a little bit of the right type of fat can totally give you more energy. So there's a tiny bit of fat in there, about 20 calories worth. And we make these nanoparticles of fat. So you can't sense it. It's not creamy at all. It's a clear water, a little bit like a pearlescent kind of color, but it activates the fat taste receptors. So you drink it and it just feels wet mm. and it hydrates really nicely and it gives you a little boost of energy only from fat. So it's water that has no sugar, no chemicals, no insulin effect, but it still contains energy and it tastes really amazing. So it, it's, it's kind of a neat feat of food engineering in order to make mm. water with fat in it. that still looks like water and it really feels good to drink it
0: and is that available nationwide or is that i know it was at your santa monica location
1: it's available um, at
0: a few select
1: natural grocery stores right now and soon we'll be selling it through the website and we are looking at national distribution just over the next few months
0: very cool yeah that just was a fascinating i mean the name alone like kind of draws you in you're like what fat water
1: Hmm?" it's funny it makes people think oh wait maybe fat isn't bad and It turns out I lost 100 pounds, and I eat 70% of my calories from fat every day. And for people who are listening go, oh, fat makes you fat, Like that is just a lie. And it was a lie that was told to you by a cereal company to sell more cereal without any fat in it. Mm. And when you eat the right kinds of fat, your brain turns on, your hormones turn on, you feel better, and uh, actually, you'll have more joy in your life because fat's delicious.
0: (laughs) It is delicious. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I like butter a lot. I know that's <laughs> <laughs> integral to the whole joy equation.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, butter is central to what I do. I mean Bulletproof Coffee uses butter mm-hmm. instead of milk because it's got more goodness in it.
0: Yes, yes. And we will link up to all this all this awesomeness, of course, in the show notes. What's been the most surprising part of your journey to you?
1: Surprising part of which journey?
0: Either one. I know I mean having made the jump from being in tech um over to bulletproof or What's the most joyous part of bulletproof?
1: Uh, the most joyous part of bulletproof
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the most joyous part of bulletproof is is having a sense of mission mm.
0: uh,
1: it's you know it's easy to get a job. It's not that hard to make money uh, but to have a sense of mission that you know when you're doing something that you're you're genuinely serving another person um, that that gets me up in the morning and that that brings me a lot of joy and that's why by the way the vast majority of the content that I make is free. Like there's hundreds of thousands of words of free content. There's 250 episodes of my show that are free. (laughs) Just go use the knowledge. And that gives me a lot of joy. And I appreciate knowing that, yeah, some of the people who see that stuff will choose to buy Bulletproof coffee and feel how they feel. And like, that's really cool. But I, I get joy just from knowing that someone read the content and they might have gone out and tried it and they might be a little bit nicer to the people around them as a result. Um, and I, I think that's how you change the world. When people are well fed and well fueled, they're nicer to each other. So that that's what gives me joy.
0: Beautiful. And then I know right before we get into our last two questions, um, you guys have a big biohacking conference coming up. Do you want to talk about that? Sure.
1: In uh, Pasadena, California, at the Convention Center, October twenty third through twenty fifth is the third annual Bulletproof Biohacking Conference. We're expecting about a thousand people and dozens of vendors, and you go there to learn about how to have control of your own biology and also to play with all of the big technologies that are out there for controlling your your own body. So we have these big things you can go and basically play on. It's kind of an adult playground where you wanted to to see what your body is capable of. We have the stuff there to let you actually try it and then learn from top experts. Bulletproofconference.com.
0: Awesome. And I will link that up too. And then the last two questions. Um, but first, thank you so much for joining. Like, um, it's just been a real joy to catch up with you and hear what's going on. And thank you for sharing all this stuff with us. Uh,
1: you're so welcome. It was awesome to get to chat about uh, about Santa Barbara. I haven't thought about that in years.
0: <laughs> yeah, go Gauchos. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So, what advice would you give someone who wants to bring their own dream into action?
1: I would say this may sound kind of obvious, but A lot of people kind of skip on the what is my own dream. And as you work on things, you'll find that that what you think is your own dream is oftentimes not actually it. So finding your true mission, your true sense of purpose is the very first part of that. And if the dream you're following isn't the right one, you will always have an inner sense of, of like you're missing something. I went to to Burning Man this year and I saw something in the the temple and at Burning Man at the temple, people write down things they want to get rid of and then they burn the temple at the end. So it's like a cleansing kind of ceremony thing. And someone had brought all of their study books for their legal exams <laughs> <laughs> and set them all right there and put one word on the front of each book. And it said something like, I- I'm tired of living other people's dreams. Now I'm done. Mm. So that's what I would say is be sure that the dream that you're living is actually your real dream and not what you're supposed to be doing.
0: That is good. I love that image, the visualization of like all those books just sitting and burning.
1: It was (laughs) was pretty neat.
0: (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah. And last and most joyfully, what are three ways you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives?
1: The first thing is you've got to manage your energy, and this means making sure that you have the right nutrition. You simply will not experience joy if you're hungry all the time, if you're working out too much and you're, you're not getting what you need. It, so you've got to eat the right way. Um, Mm -hmm. otherwise, and it might be a little bit different for you, but um, you you just really got to get that down. If you are not maximizing your energy every day, you're not getting it right. The other thing that comes to mind is don't waste decisions. I I write a lot about willpower and decision-making, and if you are allowing other people to hoist decisions on you that you don't want to make and you don't need to make, uh, you're wasting your energy. So by being conscious of the amount of energy that you spend on, on things like that, you can find that you have a lot more energy-free. And joy, at the end of the day, only happens when there's energy for joy. And making things more complex than they need to be really, really does take away joy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, the final thing is that joy is a, it, it's a state that has a specific feeling in the body. And if you do experience joy, stop for uh, 20 seconds and feel like what that joy feels like in your body. Is it in your gut? Is it in your heart? Is it in your finger? What did it feel like right before the joy happened? How long is the joy there? And get the joy signature because when you do that, your nervous system will pay attention to what joy feels like and you'll actually attune yourself to it so you can be more mindful of what makes joy happen. So joy is a, def- is a defined state. Become very familiar with that state and pay attention. It- it's not random. You can do things that bring it on. You can do things to sustain it. But become familiar with the sense of joy so you can hack it.
0: That is awesome. I love that answer. Thank you so much. Happy um, to help. Yeah. And thanks for taking the time and um, have a beautiful day.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Have (laughs) a great day, Paula.
0: You too. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to check out this interview with Dave Asprey. Come back next week when I have an interview with Michelle Ward, who is the When I Grow Up coach. She and I have one heck of a time talking about boy bands and life coaching and everything in between. I know you're going to love it. Till then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.